The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Tomb podcast crew back at you doing it with a small crew which will be fun there's only four of us today and i think that'll be just fine this is what we're calling a relaxed fit episode maybe keeping it kind of short and sweet for you uh if you guys like it um i don't know hit us up on the facebook page we do have that i don't do much with it but we do have it so i imagine if you were to reach out on there that you could get a hold of me does that make sense guys yeah Yeah. blow it up i'm sure they'll let you know yeah i might regret this um but i don't regret ever talking to my good buddies here first we'll go over to my left on screen maybe you're right mike i don't know how i am oh that's me so i don't know because could be oriented differently but yeah it is me hey hi everyone mike galardo and below him, Brady Bunch style, we got Douglas Smith. Hi, hi, hi. Below me. And the ever-dependable David Jarka. What's up, everyone? DJ. Yo. So we are back, like I said, and we don't have a full plan, really, uh, because we had some conflicts of people being able to join us. So we kind of scrapped one idea while we're sticking with another and we're just going to have fun with it. And I think it'll work just fine because first off, this is free. Second off, it's going to be about music. And third off, we got Doug who will make us all laugh. I know he will. It's what he does. <laughs> so uh, in the meantime, the what we should probably cover like we always do. And um, we do current event kind of stuff. And that's going to put my man, Mike, my ever trustworthy fellow who goes to concerts all the time. You just partook in some live music. Tell us about it. Uh, yeah, I went to uh, no effects as you guys might all remember from our punk rock episode. Um, they are having their final tour. They're calling it quits after 40 years oh. of recording touring. And uh, they did, they're doing four or five actual campouts on these tours. And I went to the one in uh, Ohio over this past weekend called Punk and Drublick. And it was a good time, man. It was like old school warp tour type shit. Um, just a bunch of pop, punk, ska, uh, a lot of good times, bittersweet. Um, knowing that it would be the last time I'd be seeing no effects. They did two, they headline both nights. Um, forty, they're doing forty cities, forty songs each night. So with them doing two nights at the campouts, it was eighty songs. We got to hear like basically a greatest hits um, type set. 
they took pee breaks because they're all like in their upper 50s. They're all pushing 60 now. So they're like, yeah, we're going to take take a 10 minute pee break because we're all old. But um, there's four, you know, four different sets. Um, They did. So long and thanks for all the shoes in its entirety. They play the decline, which I don't know if any of you ever checked out. It's an EP, but it's one song that's 18 minutes and 20 some odd seconds long. Yeah, I like to play it at the bars. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's one of my favorite jukebox songs to play. But uh, cool. that's actually what they ended with. Um, it was real bittersweet. My girlfriend had a. Uh, she was she she was pretty emotional watching the decline because you know she's been a big fan of theirs for twenty six some odd years or whatever, and uh, never got to see the decline. But like I was telling you guys in our group chat during it, I don't know if it's better knowing that it'll be the last time I'll see the band versus a band breaking up right after you see them. Mm. For instance, like the last E-Tid Christmas show was, they did two, you know, they headlined each night. And then after that, they literally like right after that, they broke up and it sucked, but I don't, it was kind of just like, I was sad the whole time knowing that these were the last times I'm going to hear no effects play this song. So yeah, but it was a good time, man. It was a lot of fun. Well, it's yeah, tough well, because Kiss, Kiss did that <laughs> three times. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And you feel well, gypped when, that, when, you know, they come back. You know? Yeah. Like, come on, man. You know? Well, Fat Mike says he swear, they swear that uh, that's it, man. No effects is hanging up. They're hanging it up. And uh, he, yeah. he he just opened up that punk rock museum in uh, Vegas, so it's got other... And he's in another band, the Co-Defendants, who actually, who also uh, played down at the Punk and Drublix. They were actually pretty good. Oh, shit. So he was playing double duty. Yep. That's cool. That was a thought them, but less than Jake. It's always a good time. Um, Suicide Machines, The Descendants, um, Bouncing Souls. Mustard plug. There's a bunch of bunch of old school punk and ska bands, man. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I would imagine it's not hard to get a lot of those guys to come out and play when you know No Effects is saying, "Listen, this is it. We're yeah, can't do this no more." And but I, but I would imagine a lot of bands hop in. Like, I want to be a part of that. Yeah. The thing that sucked with it was No Effects came out at eight thirty both nights. They played for two hours, just over shy over two hours. It's only one stage. The music started at two. So each band got a half hour. Oh. So it's like the descendants go on headlining tours, got to see them for 30 minutes. Uh, I think they played like a 40 minute set, like less than Jake, 30 minutes set, which sucked. But I personally don't care because we're, they're coming here in two weeks. So we're going to that, but bouncing souls, you know, they were just here a couple months ago, but still it was only a 30 minute set. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, it's not like you're going to ask these major, you know, staple punk bands to play on a kit that everyone shares. You know, I mean, yeah. it's not like you're going to be doing a house kit. I'm like, oh, oh you got to sit yeah. on this and play. Like, well, I mean, on the plus side, a 30 minute set for a punk or a ska band, dude, that's like a solid 87 songs. <laughs> so, but no it was it was a really good time really good time she had a good time we all had my buddy had a way too good of a time oh but you don't need to tell here that's all right uh we we partied pretty hard friday night because there was no music we were set up by like six o'clock we're like well well, what do we do now oh we just drink beer all right 
<laughs> yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Party with dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sent that picture that you posted with the. the, the, the dil- they put the dildo on the one. <laughs> yeah, I sent it to my to my wife, and she's like, "Yep, that that's." That's what I I saw that too. <laughs> Is there a Spencer's nearby? I don't know where that dildo came from. <laughs> My one buddy was like a uh, Tom Brady around. I was like, it was either a Bills fan or a metalhead, but I brought neither. I brought. I did bring one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you had a blast. Um, it is concert season. It's full on now, so I'm sure. Uh, next episode, we'll all have something to share. I know I will. Um, I'll have at least one concert that I can talk about for the next one. So, good stuff coming down the road, I'm sure, as far as live music goes. Doug, mm-hmm. throwing it to you now. Uh, yeah. you've got big news between last episode and this episode. Tell the folks what's going on with you. Well, basically, uh, my band, Earth and Vessel. We just released our little four-song EP out on pretty much every streaming service you can get. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting, you know. The, the thing that I'm pretty excited about is it's a complete different style of music that I'm used to playing, you know what I mean? And so getting something out there like, in this style, you know, I guess you want to call it the stoner rock or doom metal or whatever style. Uh, I don't know. It just seems pretty exciting to me. You know, I'm I'm happy with the way it turned out. And, uh, you know, I hope everybody digs it. So it's called Maybe. Chapter One. So if you just go on uh, Spotify or anything and just look up Earth and Vessel Chapter One, you should be able to find it. Certainly made my uh, stoner metal thing go off. I thoroughly enjoyed Doug. That's cool, man. I'm happy. Mike went ping. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, I was like, hey, man, I like this. Yeah, cool. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. it's good. and it's a and you know, um, I've seen you play live before, and the thing that I can tell everyone about your band, not just musically, but like the vibe is represented if you get to see them out. So if you live in the Western New York area, um, I will, next time they're out live, I will share their uh, next live gig so that hopefully we can get some listeners out to check you guys out. Cause uh, it's a, it's a certain vibe, you know, Kev, Kev really thrives when he's singing live, I think. And uh oh, yeah. And of course, my man Diener on drums there, Dean, uh, is just, uh, oh I, if I had half his talent, that yeah, be- he's a monster. He's a monster. <laughs> he really is. Been playing um, live music since he was 12. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. You know, you know, you listen to his story and you're like, oh my God, dude. It's like, I never, I wasn't even thinking about like, I might have been starting to play guitar around the time he was playing it out. Yeah. You know, it's like, holy cow, man. Mm. But I will say this is we do actually have a show booked. There we go. And it is, I believe it's September 9th at the Tudor downtown. 
Oh, nice. Tudor and, uh, yeah. And, uh, we're trying to sneak something in before that, but you know, if, if I get any inf- information on, on that and it actually goes down, you know, I'll let everybody know, but at hey. least we're going to do that. So hey, yeah, yeah. Cool. that's dope. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I believe the night would be a Saturday too. Yeah. It's a Saturday night. Oh, I could go. <laughs> cool. Mike, I don't know how, I mean, maybe Jarka too. I don't know. We'll, we'll take a shot here. Uh, Dean was the drummer for Against All Hope. Do you guys know of them? Nah. Big hardcore band in both. That sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Against All Hope he played with, and um, there was another band called Dross he played for, and, um, oh, uh, low, uh, yeah, Low Road Revival. Which is similar, similar to what you play now, but maybe a little more bluesy, a little more groovy. It's more clutchy, kind of. Yeah, yeah. You know, not so dark sounding. You know <laughs> what I mean? Dude, you would dig it. You, it, Dean thinks like a hardcore kid. And a lot of that, like, it's totally where he comes from. Yeah. 100%. But with the talent to be able to pull off blast beats and, you know, mm-hmm. maybe a little tougher nowadays in the, uh, in the older years, but still, he well, can pull off. Yeah, the, the the last band he was in before this whole thing started was um it was a it was kind of a cool little uh the, their band name was kind of cool uh all the dudes in the band were Polish so they called their band Warsaw but it was dual meaning you know so you have Warsaw Poland mm-hmm. but you also have the war saw like if you took it in two separate words you know i was like oh that's that's kind of cool but they were full-on death metal just well dean dean took a little bit of some of the writing um on guitar which is fun and he does in this band too still nice yeah like i said i love it i i i I, never experienced anything like this like everybody just comes in with ideas and stuff like that it's like (laughs) You know, having a drummer write a guitar riff is a whole different. <laughs> it is something I just never experienced before because he feels the beat already. You know what I'm saying? He's mm-hmm. he's feeling, you know, every little nuance of the timing. And it's like, yeah, here, do this. And I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't work. And I'm like, oh, I guess it kind of does. You know, once you get used to it you know so yeah it's cool dude i i love it i love it yeah so definitely hop on your favorite stream in fact it's but i would imagine it's the same app you're using to listen to us right now so use your uh finger there to go search for earthen vessel chapter one uh which i love that it means more is to come so happy for you buddy uh super stoked it's awesome and uh yeah keeps keep tuned because uh there may be a little something at the end of this. A wink, a wink. Uh, <laughs> uh, we do not own the rights. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> ah. We have the blessing. Uh-huh. <laughs> the blessing. Well, then uh, we can transition to what we're listening now. And I will think 
Mr. David Jarka has something prepared for that, as he always does. What what you been jamming to, dude? Um, the band DOA. Okay. Um, it was just the next to my list, and I I had no idea what to expect out of it, and it's basically like um Dead Kennedys from Canada. <laughs> and I mean, and and even uh, Jello Biafra even did like a, a I think he did a whole album with them too. So, wow. Yeah. Never actually. He's in the Super Mario Brothers movie from the nineties. Wait, what? He's in the Super Mario Brothers from the nineties. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. He he's he's the uh, the the Goomba that plays the harmonica. I've seen him in Portlandia. (laughs) See, he's got acting skills. (laughs) Yeah. So DOA Dead on Arrival. Yeah. Yep. I don't know if I've ever listened to them. I think I got, I, I went through Alternative Tentacles website, like the Jell Biafra's record label, and I just went and followed a whole bunch of different bands from it. And then I listened to like their top five, like of their songs on Spotify. And then if they, if I hit like, if I got like two songs that I liked, I kept them. If I didn't, I, I kicked them off. And I think that's how I ended up stumbling across them. Nice. Well, if they were, if you would have mentioned them on the punk rock episode, maybe they would have finished higher than my pick, which was Dead Kennedys. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't even think like can even consider them for the punk stuff. No, I don't. If I went off of just the name and just the attitude, Dead Kennedys is number one of all the bands we threw out there. Oh. Yeah. They are. They're, they're fucking punk rock. They, they're like the epitome, oh. in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I've been listening, as um, Mr. Gallardo knows, <laughs> I've been listening to some bluegrass because I love me some banjo and I love me some mandolin and I'm even okay with a little bit of slide guitar that kind of slides into the country. And I don't really like a lot of country, but I don't know. I found this really fun cover band called picking on series. And what they do is either pick a genre, a decade or a band and they cover the shit out of them sometimes they sing sometimes they don't if they don't sing like they come they cover the almond brothers they don't sing in any of the songs they turn all the melodies and they they uh instead of having someone singing they have someone play so whether it's the violin or the uh, guitarist or uh, mandolin player someone takes over the melody and it's incredible these guys are awesome if you like bluegrass which I'm guessing maybe 2% of you listening out there right now are like, yeah, I like bluegrass. Okay. Um, They're really talented and I've had a lot of fun with it. Now, wasn't there a bluegrass band that covered ACDC songs? AC Dixie. Yeah. That's what it is. (laughs) Yeah. AC Dixie actually has some pretty decent originals too. Uh, My favorite is a song called Marijuana where the only things they they sing is they don't even sing they just take a like a there's like a pause in the music and they just go 
marijuana and they go right back into it and it's really <laughs> weird because it's kind of like it's like jazzy bluegrass it's like I, i'll share it to the the, the group page uh, when we're done recording here and you guys can check it out but it's they're wicked talented too there's just something about a banjo player or a mandolin player and i'm like how do they get their fingers to stand those tiny frets and play at that speed and play so precisely you know what I mean? Crazy. Like a really good one is like, man, alive. Like I can't yep. imagine. Mandolin, especially. Especially. And if you tell me, and I know you know, one guy, um, our our buddy Spilly, right? Gallardo. Um yep. he can play the banjo. Uh I don't know if he messes around with the mandolin, but I know he can play the banjo. And he's also an excellent guitar player. And I asked him one time, like, dude, how can you go from one instrument to the other and play? Because they're not strung anywhere similar as far as the, t- the tuning of the strings go. Mm-hmm. And it's very, in my head, it would be very challenging to be able to pull that off. Like, they, like to be excellent at both. So, yeah. What was his answer? He's like, man, you just do it, man. That's what, that's basically his answer. You just do it, man. <laughs> well, just. Just to get a bit technical here, a banjo, and please correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. It's five strings, but the one string only goes up half the neck, mm-hmm. and then your mandolin is a four string. No, it's actually eight strings, and it's like it's strung like a twelve string guitar. Yes, right. So that whole deal is just wack. The uh to, to give them one more shout out before we move on to something else. My favorite thing that I found that they did, they did an entire album of covers of Lincoln Park. Oh, that's cool. And wow. every time they get to a rapping part, they just kind of speak it. So it kind of like that those ones aren't as good. But the the lead singer, uh that they then they alternate like they bring in people in to sing with them. I think what it is is I didn't do a lot of research on them, but what it is is it's a band of musicians and then they like they bring in people to like to sing and i think that's why there's more albums that don't have any singing in it because i don't think any of them can really sing that well or don't want to maybe uh so they like lean on some other artists come in and bail them out they there's a ridiculous cover of wonderwall as well from oasis that they do wow. and the dude's oh. voice kind of sounds like the guy from everclear so Oh. Yeah, if you can kind of picture that in your head right now, hmm. I can't even just even just a melody. <laughs> if the guy from Everclear were to sing in Oasis instead, so that's what I've been listening to. Doug, you got anything new you've been checking out? Yeah, I've been thinking about this. Um, you know what? I've been revisiting the band lately, and uh. It's it's not anything crazy. Oh, oh okay. Well, I, I, I'll say two things. So the band I've been revisiting is uh, Queens of the Stone Age because they just came out with a new record. And I, I really like this band a lot. And I just fell away from them for quite a while. So I listened to their new record, started listening to some of their other stuff, you know, and I'm like, I, I just really like that band a lot, which also led me into checking out Eagles of Death Metal. Did you guys ever 
listen to these guys mm -hmm. a little they're bit pretty, yeah they're pretty cool man i don't I, I don't mind it man i i never gave them a shot just you know oh wow there's a band called eagles of death metal and they happen to be playing that night that that whole paris shooting went down and all that stuff and i just never really i just you know there's just slipped my mind you know so i started to listen to them a little bit they're pretty cool man i don't mind them you know so but anything brand new lately i'd have to say you know i'm in that lull you know just i really haven't uh discovered anything new lately yeah that queens of stone age album's on my like i like my, my to-do list of like music listening yeah it's I'm, not bad man it's not bad you know uh the funny thing about queens of the stone age is i have to say this is that so you have queens of the stone age that we all know and love um i don't want to speak for anybody but like up until i would say uh songs for the deaf what's the album after that lullabies to paralyze or something like that it's called queens of stone age hardcore that's them but then once they did well dave girl got involved and they did that what what the hell was that um oh them crooked vultures yeah when they did that record it kind of was like now almost everything that they do sounds like them crooked vultures to me well, you know what i'm saying that's more of a Josh Homey thing because I think he, it was him, Grohl, and John Paul Jones was right. the three piece. Yeah. So that's kind of that seems well, like there, a was, more... there was another guitar player and I can't remember his name, but um, but yeah, it was like all of a sudden it was like, I think Josh Homey was like, oh, this is just another step above, and he just kind of continued that band through queens of the stone age you know what i mean and mm -hmm. and not only that but um one of the uh members of uh queens passed away um oh my gosh every time i talk i just forget stuff uh it was one of the guitar players he he had passed away so he's not in the band anymore and he would sing and write songs also like on uh on uh, uh, holy cow! On uh, uh, songs for the deaf, he sung this song, um, "Hanging Tree." I don't know if you guys are like familiar with that, mm -hmm. but he's got this real distinct, very deep voice. You know, it's kind of like I don't know. It's completely different than anybody in the band because the bass player also sung some songs, but he was screamo to the max, you know. But he had passed away, so now you know with Queens, you don't have his influence anymore, and the bass player's gone. They kicked him out, and uh, I don't even know who's in the band anymore, to be honest. Uh, so I know Nicola Oliveri started a new band called stoner with an like a what was that that german uber over the end oh, i think it's oh, yeah. they, they opened for clutch a couple of years ago here oh. oh i didn't know that i think he's with um uh what's his face um 
not Scott Reader. Uh, Scott Stapp? No, no. <laughs> another, uh, you another guy. I can't believe it. I'm forgetting his name, but he played in he played in Fu Manchu and he also played in um oh. played in Caius. Um Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think I know. I can't bl- I can't believe I'm forgetting his name because I listened to like his whole collection. I mm. uh, this has been happening to me a lot lately. <laughs> Forgetting yeah. people's age, man. Old age. Yeah. Too, Getting obviously. older. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, you know, that's what I've been listening to lately, pretty much. How about you, Mike? Uh, well, as I, I told you, when you were looking for uh, bluegrass to listen to, I gave you, I uh, was it that Left Lane Cruiser mm-hmm. from Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is not anywhere I was expecting them to be from. I mean, they're blue, the bluesy, bluegrassy, yeah, um, good stuff. I listen to that, and then uh, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, um, there's a band out of Colorado called Fox Lake. They are, there's, I don't know if you guys are aware, uh, but there's like a new metal like resurgence happening. A lot of newer bands are making new metal again, and like the rap metal and stuff. And it's oh shit, it's pretty cool. But I've been listening to Fox Lake a lot of that lately. Them and uh, yeah, that left lane cruiser. Yeah, because yeah. that's like if we let's say like like that's from let's say the early two thousands. So it's been like twenty years. So that would be like if we had bands in the early two thousands that were covering, we were inspired by like Duran Duran or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like it's cool. Like a lot of these kids are like, hell yeah, man, corn is the shit. <laughs> but I don't know, but yeah, the, along with you with like the bluegrass and the bluesy stuff I've been paying no, attention to, talk, to a lot lately not to, not to talk smack about one of our members here that isn't here but I was kind of surprised like I started talking to Alex about how familiar are you guys with Korn's first record I love it oh yeah okay. very familiar me too it's like a record that you just can reference kind of because they always had this little weird things before the song. Right. And uh, he said something to me, you know, about whatever. And he's like, Oh, my body. And I went, and then it's in the beginning of the song clown where one of them says that. And I'm like, dude, you know what I'm talking about? Right. He's like, Oh, and I was surprised to find out he's really not familiar with Corn's first record. But Alex is just a wee. Well, well, that would that would be nineteen ninety six. Yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't matter because ninety four. No, I gotta look, dude. He loves that band so much that why would you not listen to their first record? I mean, you got to think though. You got to think like Corn didn't really blow up until. Follow the leaders when they really like. And what's that? Their second record. That's third. 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 That yeah. that would be like when I would say they were like one of the biggest bands on MTV, like they were dominating. Yeah. Like the video era there, but I, I mean, I knew about them only because of my brother. You know, my brother found out about them right. Like he owned the first album. It wasn't like he got follow the leader and went backward like no no no. my my brother had the first album 
and then was excited when the when um Life is Peachy came out, which goddamn right. talk about a follow up album. That's another well, thing too. I w- I would like that to to discuss that sometime too is um follow up albums. Follow up albums that are actually better, you know what I mean? It's kind of like a, yeah. a sequel to a movie. You know, sometimes the sequel does end up being a little better. You know, Lethal Weapon Two, in my opinion, is a better movie than the original Lethal Weapon. Not to say that Lethal Weapon is the bad movie; it's just the second one was just a, a little bit better. See, to me, Corn, to me, hit their pinnacle with their first record. I'm not saying Life Is Peachy was terrible, or you know, uh, Follow the Leader was pretty good. After that, I started falling away yeah. from them a little bit. You know, I started like, falling away. Uh, from them. Yeah, <laughs> I like but, all our dad things went off just then. <laughs> but dude, uh, that first corn record when I heard it, it was, oh my lord, what is this record? But my point being is this: is that if you find a band that you like. I just don't understand why you would not go and then and discover their whole catalog. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like being being and you know we know Alex. He's a huge. How could you not listen to their first record? <laughs> I mean, it just blows my mind. You know, it's like me. You know, like you you just discover bands and you know, sure. I wasn't into Sabbath and all that other stuff. When I grew up and when I was 10 years old and 11 years old, Ozzy was coming out with Diary of a Madman. That's where I started discovering Ozzy Osbourne. And then now he's in Black Sabbath. So I'm like, whoa, okay, well, let's start going backwards and let's start discovering everything these people do, you know, and, People don't necessarily do that too much anymore, mm-hmm. which is surprising to me, you know? And it's easier than ever to do that, too, which is ironic. It really is. Yeah. It absolutely is. And and I don't know, Brian, if you remember, we used to, I don't know, you have to remember this guy, uh, Josh um, Tempesty. Tempesta? Oh, maybe his name is Campesta. I thought it was Campesti or whatever. This dude, he was a cool guy. Um, it was weird because he had these weird tattoos like a UFO, like <laughs> getting a piece of pizza and sucking it up into the spaceship. I'm like, what is this kind of tattoo Yeah, you're getting? But we got into this big uh, discussion about metal. So he didn't think that uh, Judas Priest or Maiden or any of those bands were metal. And I'm like, no, 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 dude. They are metal because this is, you're, you're talking about the beginning of metal. Mm-hmm. And just because metal today doesn't sound like the metal then doesn't not make them metal anymore. Yeah, They're the founding fathers of it. You can't just exclude people like that anymore. You know what I mean? No, just... uh, yeah, J- uh, Josh Kempiski. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he worked with us. Um, I could totally like kind of a take, and 
it's he's not unique, unfortunately. I think there's a lot of people out there that will listen to. I mean, Judas Priest is a little different. I will say that Judas Priest, like they dip their toes into what we would, you know, like rubber stamp uh, as metal, whereas Iron Maiden is undeniable or like, um, I mean, shit, like even like, like uh, Lemmy, you know what I mean? Like Motorhead even like, while it's obviously rock um, and like fast rock, you know, like in your face rock, it's also kind of metal. So like, yeah, I don't like, I don't like when people um want to just deny the Godfathers. I'm always one of those people to say, you know, they're more important than I would ever, I could ever give them credit for. And do I listen to them? No. Do I enjoy them? Not necessarily. But would I ever talk smack about them? Absolutely not. Absolutely and, not. And, and, and I think that's the point. It's not the matter of if, if, it's, that, if it's your cup of tea or not. It's mm-hmm. just the point of it is what it is. You know, dude. Um, oh, my God. I'm not even going to get into it. But, but there's a song that uh, Judas Please Priest has. Um, it's on the album Sad Wings of Destiny. It might be Victim of Changes. You listen to this song and you tell me this isn't stoner rock. Uh-huh. And I, I, I it, 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 you know what? I'm like, oh my Lord. This type of music always existed, but it was never clumped into a style where that's the only way you wrote. Do you know what I'm saying? No, I get that. I don't know. I don't I don't want to get too deep. Into well, they it, didn't but... they didn't have anyone to lean on and and that's where these newer listeners people that are like in their 30s, <laughs> uh, they don't quite understand of what it took to like pave a road for the rest of us to listen to the bands we listen to. Exactly. Because there was no, there was no radio play. You know, it, you could not imagine any sort of recognition for a lot of the bands that we want to listen to, without Iron Maiden. You know, I, I don't know why I like to bring them up, but it's like I feel like they are the first band that really made it big, and they didn't, they weren't like a little bit of this. They were the first straight up metal band to like make it big, big. And then, you know, you got your hair metal bands, but it's like, once again, you had to add something in before metal. It's like, I, I don't feel like I need to add anything before Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden, what genre? Metal. All right, cool. Moving on. <laughs> it's, I don't want to yeah. say it's like easier so, for bands now. It's, obviously, it's going to be hard either way to get like, you know, airplay, if you will, however that may be. But it's definitely different now than in the up until like the late nineties, early two thousands, when the internet came into play and you could start, sorry, Lars, but start illegally downloading. I mean, and you know, then all the streaming services and the internet. And like, now you get like, I feel like this is the Alex. Sorry, buddy. But like that sleep token band, there's so much hype around them right now. And I just don't fucking get it. I've listened to it. I'm like, I don't get it. And, Mm -hmm. but, which is fine. 
the, the music, the, the, I mean, the, the, the music, it sounds, you know, they're, they're talented. It's just not my thing, but maybe they're a bad example, but like there's bands. And I'm like, what's this fucking hype about this with this band? And I listen to it. I'm like, this is not good. Right. And, like, and why honest, is this so yeah. popular right now? Because be they, they, they're very internet savvy and, you know, because that's yeah. how everything is found. Maybe, yeah, yeah. And and you guys, could, yeah, you guys could probably kill me for saying this, but I will tell you right now what you were just explaining to me. The band that this that I feel exactly like that about is Lincoln Park. <laughs> I just never. I just don't. I just don't. I just you know, don't get it. I Doug, don't. Would, it, would it shock you to find out that their manager managed NSYNC? Um, no, well, no, because how much does the manager actually have to do with their music? Not a lot, because their manager is about promoting. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, so it's like, I'm Lincoln Park is Lincoln Park. So their manager is going to be like, well, I can take this band all over the world and promote them and make them bigger than they are. Now, he did if you help start- put the band together, though, which is kind of like that's where the, the his hand on them is shown up. Chester Bennington's in, in Lincoln Park because of the manager. OK, well, OK, OK, so maybe their manager's a little bit more music savvy. The only reason I'm going to say this is because I will bring up Doc McGee. Does anybody know who Doc McGee is? No. Okay. So Doc McGee, look up Doc McGee on your own time or whatever. He could be the most famous, one of the most famous uh, band managers of all time. He could be like the Scotty Bowman of NHL coaches. Okay. Easy. So he managed. The Black Crows. He managed Bon Jovi. He managed Kiss. Okay, this is what I'm saying is that there are all those bands plus many, many, many others. When we opened up for Kiss, he was Kiss's manager. And those types of music could not be any different from each other they just can't be any different from each other but a a band manager is more of like your business kind of guy you know blah 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 now if you have a producer now you're talking about like bob rock so what happens when bob rock comes into metallica's life they completely change completely change Mm -hmm. so that's a whole different story in itself too you know where a producer might be a little bit more influential in a band's um style yeah or what they you know what they actually write or put out than a band manager here's his wikipedia profile he managed kiss bon jovi motley crew hootie and the blowfish (laughs) he was in the reality series for vh1 called supergroup along with scott ian ted nugent evans seinfeld Sebastian Bach and Jason Bonham. <laughs> and I was just showing. you guys sorry, real quick, did you ever watch that? The super oh, group I, fucking I look, did. 
But dude, look, Sebastian no. Bach, what should we call it? Savage animal. Look yeah, at that. It, it, <laughs> and and uh, and drugs for biohazard too. almost kicked friggin' uh, uh, Sebastian Bach's ass. So after like his it, acknowledgments for what he managed, the, the second one down is the Moscow Music Peach Festival, which apparently he's involved in. The next tab down on his Wikipedia, drug smuggling conviction. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. You want to know about it? Should I click on it? Yeah. I, I never heard this. In November of 1982, all oh, this already starts out kind of lame. McGee was arrested for contributing to the import of 20 tons of marijuana into North Carolina via a shrimp boat. Uh, the 21 count conviction or indictment said that McGee and the smugglers had the intent of distributing marijuana. McGee would have to serve 30 years in jail and be fined $140,000. But the possession with intent to sell charge was changed. And it, they probably just use him as a pawn. Mm. Yeah, he played wow. guilty to something less than, and then they went after somebody else. And that so was he, gave, he, he ratted somebody out. Yeah, yeah. That was 82? 82. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. I just love that. I was like, let's look, let's look at his Wikipedia. Holy shit. Look at this. Yeah. Drug. Well, I mean, maybe we can get into this some other time, you know, whatever. But he was the manager of Kiss when I, my Doug, band opened up for them. Yeah. And I can't even say enough about this guy. He I changed think he stumbled onto something really cool. Yeah. People not in bands that had the most impact on music. Oh my God. There's so That'd many. That'd be a good episode. Out there in yeah. Place. All right. Someone write that down. Uh, to close out the episode, uh, our own David Jarka threw out a fantastic idea. Which I'm glad that we're using it, and no one else uh, that normally joins the podcast gets to use it because they should have been here. Um, I don't even feel bad, Dave. You said that we could try and think of kind of like ultimate lineups of concerts we'd want to see, right? Like mm-hmm. that idea. Yeah, like when I was in high school, I was thinking about it. Me and my my one friend in study hall, we would we would. Me and him would like pick bit draft bands and we would like have like our make our own festival and we'd have like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and we'd each pick a band. I'd pick a band, he'd pick a band and go back and forth. And then we'd like make our own little festival and uh, like compete against each other for it and see what we would come up with. So that's something we could work with. I like that. Uh, the way that I want to frame it is I'm going to help kind of guide us here. And I'll be the first one to start just so that you guys have time to think about it. But we're going to start with bands no longer around, whether they're broken up, whether they're dead or whatever, that you can't see anymore that you would love to see. So I'll start off just to give you guys some time to think about. I'm going to start off and I'm going to go headline. I guess I have to start with opening act and move on my way up. huh? Yeah. So I kind of got to do it like We're that. We're doing an opener and a headliner. Let's let's do two openers and a headliner. Let's try and <clears throat> try and get three bands for each one that we think of. So be repeats. Yeah, definitely going to be repeats. So I I know these members are still around um more more or less. Um you know, all but one member, but 
and this is kind of weird to say, but I, I want Pink Floyd to open. And then I want. Then I want. Who's going to go in here? It's got to go well. So Pink Floyd transitioning into OG Black Sabbath. And then from Black Sabbath to Led Zeppelin. That would be my classic rock. Amazing. The year is 1970. That may be a perfect year. It's 1970 or 71. Pink Floyd's together. Black Sabbath's together. Led Zeppelin's together. And somehow, some way, you get all three of those bands on one concert. And you get to see them all. And I like the idea of starting kind of like... Because, you know, Floyd's a little more low-key for the most part. And then you kind of start ramping it up with Sabbath. And then Zeppelin is all. You know, a little soft, a little hard. I know it's 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 easier to to think about maybe than to actually like put it out there, but man, Mike just like darted. He's like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not ready to do this, yeah. uh, Dave. Because this is your idea. I would imagine that you're ready. So I, I'm gonna. I want to frame it like this: bands no longer together that you would love to be able to see three bands. Okay. I think I can. I think I got something here. Uh, it's going to be an opener. I'm going to have one opener. It's going to be Caius. Just it's they're not. Uh, there's a lot of legal mumbo jumbo going on between that went between Josh Homey and the rest of the the members of it of the band in terms of like the name rights and stuff. And basically, they can't really tour under that name. They were trying to tour as like Caius lives. And then they had to change the name to Vista Chino, and it just didn't, I guess it just didn't really jive. So I bring the original Caius back together, and then I'd have two co-headliners, and it would be, I would do Oasis, and I'd do Nirvana. And I want to do them both together, because I don't think either, like, I don't think either one of them like each other, and I think it would create some pretty funny like backstage chaos stories and stuff like that um the 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 story once heard was that um when the the gallagher brothers heard uh nirvana's song i hate myself want to die that inspired them to write the song i want to live forever There'd be quite a pile like... of needles in the backstage. That's all. <laughs> yeah, right. Needles, needles, and then and then all the cocaine that, that Oasis did. It just seems like a giant combustible situation. Yeah. All, ultimate ultimate nineties alternative. Wait, what? It, b- both Gallagher brothers are still alive, right? Yes, and there was rumor that they made amends like a month or two ago, and then and then one of them came out and just like, oh fuck that or something. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's 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 so it's so overly dramatic and petty. It's it's at a so, such a high level that it's just hilarious to, to pay attention to. Oh my goodness, that's funny. That's a fun lineup, dude. That's a fun lineup. Um, 
even more fun to be able to be one of the guys like hanging out in the backstage and, and catching like the before performance and then they even sit and stay down on the side of the stage. Like, man, you man, can you even believe that guy's standing up there right now playing? <laughs> <laughs> All right, good start. Uh, let's go to Doug for the next one. Your set of bands playing a concert together that are no longer together, able to perform together. All right, this is going to be a little wacky. Um, definitely uh, an opener is Pink Floyd, for sure. Yeah. Never got to see him. And I'm not going to say Pink Floyd at Pink Floyd during the Roger Water years, you know what I mean? Right. Um, when they actually got real talent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pink Floyd, definitely an opener. Uh, another band, not around. It, it, you know, it, it really does sound, I don't know, I, I feel it sounds cliched, but you definitely got to say Zeppelin. I, yeah. I have to. I mean, there's no way I could not not leave them out well but my head huh well rumor has it and I, I i thought of this when i was choosing them rumor has it jimmy page is actually not that great live he has a a lot of mistakes well this is i'll have to say this to you i was not a huge zeppelin fan mm-hmm. when i was younger i i wasn't um because did always sound like Jimmy Page was kind of like fumbling around, you know, he knew what he wanted to play, but he really couldn't play it, you know, so he did the best he could, you know, and everybody was just like, he's the greatest. And I'm like, he's not the greatest. He's not. He's 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 the worst, best guitarist of all time. Exactly. (laughs) And then the proof of that, is what made me like him, <laughs> which was the documentary, The Song Remains the Same. Oh, okay. So if you watch The Song Remains the Same, there's an aspect that you get to see about Jimmy Page's playing that you just don't hear on a record or anything. And yes, it's, it is just like, dude, you're walking all over the you know all over your notes there i mean you're you're not hitting anything you're you're just off but you get a feeling like oh my god this dude is tearing it up i I don't know what it is it's you just have to watch it you know it might be tougher like you guys to sit through this movie and stuff because they kind of try to make it like i don't know each person has their own little section and Robert Plant's trying to be like, you know, I don't know, Sir Lance a lot, you know, and all this stuff. He's on a horse with a sword and he's fighting people. You know, it's just really cheesy, but the live footage is fantastic. It is just unbelievable. So I'll go Zeppelin. And then, you know, a band I brought up a million times on this podcast over the past year is the one band that influenced me the most out of any band. And uh, I never got to see him. It was Van Halen. Mm. David Lee Roth years. Of course. So I, I, my favorite band of all time. And I never got to see him. 
And that would be just unbelievable to me. You know, it's like to be able to see Van Halen like during fair warning years. Oh my gosh, forget mm-hmm. about it. It just blew me away. So no, that's fantastic. So yeah, there you go. How about you, Mike? Um there's a couple, two of two of the three, obviously we can still go see, but when I'm saying this for I know you guys know, but for listeners, I mean back with the original lineup, I would have to do Allison Chains with Lane Staley yeah. as an as an opener. Sound Soundgarden never got to see. Um Chris Cornell actually died. Was it thirty six hours before I was supposed to see him? So that sucked. Oh no, dude! Yeah, Real? yeah. They were supposed to headline the first night of Rock on the Range, and he killed himself. Uh, was it that yeah. Wednesday oh, night no. in Detroit before they were supposed to headline on Friday night in Columbus? And then, um, obviously, the original lineup of Pantera headlining. So we're talking like ninety two, ninety three. That's another band. That'd be. A killer show to be at. Mm-hmm. Probably see, a lot of, see, probably a lot of needles on the ground. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when other people make their picks, I'm like, oh my god, like Pantera. Oh man, what I would have loved to see them play. Never got to see them play. Yeah, that's brutal. I mean, we're talking, you know, obviously Vinny and Dime, right, and at peak Phil. Yeah, absolutely, and, and they all like each other still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were all, you know, slamming Crown Royal and Black Tooth Grins. Peak, peak Phil, I would say, what do you what do you think? Vulgar? Probably vulgar. Yeah. Or Cowboys. Even that. Vulgar. Still, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I don't. Vulgar is, is Pantera. That, you know, that that's when they were like, Forget all the stuff we did in the past. Yeah, keeping it in the past, it's gone. We're we're not that band anymore. Yeah, that's why they were like one hundred and fifty percent moved on from glam. Right. Oh, absolutely. Because like Cowboys yeah. still had those elements, which they fucking pulled off. All right, they oh, did. Yeah. Uh, Diamond <laughs> Diamond Daryl and Rex Rocker. <laughs> they dude, pulled it off, dude. First, first and foremost, dude. Okay, uh, just a real quick story. My stepmother used to work for the Buffalo News. So she knew the record reviewer, obviously, um, back in the day. He still might be there, Jeff Myers. So he, 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 he just left. Oh, he did? Yeah. Okay. So she used to get all kinds of stuff from him. He'd be like, oh, you know, I know you got a, you know, three stepsons here. Give him this, give him this, give him this. And I got a copy of uh, Cowboys from Hell that, you know, used to get these records and they would have the stamp on it. It's like not for sale. Yeah, blah, blah, yeah. Blah, for record, yeah. For radio station exactly. only or whatever. Exactly. And so I had tons of these records, tons of these records. So I got uh, Cowboys from Hell and I didn't listen to it. Why? Because a the name Pantera, I'm like, oh, what is Spanish for Panther? Oh, look at these guys. <laughs> they're, in, they're in an old 
uh, a <laughs> saloon back in you know the cowboy days the cowboys from hell Ooh, they sound really mean and nasty i was like oh, oh you know i was like forget these dudes i'm not even giving them a chance and i was explaining this to my brother the exact way i'm talking about it right now and then i go watch dude we'll put this on right now dude it's gonna suck <laughs> i put it out i was like well color me wrong <laughs> the amount of the amount of people that don't know that they were like there's stuff prior to cowboys from hell that they were a glam band is shocking yeah it really is dude like it'll come on randomly and like somebody my one buddy the one day we were actually we we're on our way to louisville and he's in the back seat he's like what are we listening to i'm like pantera right <laughs> and he i just i i just go on about my day. He's like, no, oh, but like 30 seconds later, he's like, no, oh, but seriously, what are we listening to? I'm like, Pantera. He's like, are you serious? I like grab my iPod and I like hand it back to him. Like, it's Pantera, dude. Like, no way. I'm like, way. It was a thing. Yep. Well, I'm trying to lie. And to same you. with Slayer. We won't get into the Slayer with yep. the same way. It was a tough spot. It was a tough spot back then. Uh, all right. Now, how about this one? You are now going to put together the most iconic, in your opinion, your favorite bands that is obviously, but the most iconic metal lineup, whatever genre you're going to pick, you can say whatever genre. So for me, it's going to be in the gent category. And it's going to start off with a banger. Uh, we're going to start off with Vale Amaya. They're going to headline or, or uh, be the openers, which I have seen them once. So I have a little bit of comparison of what they bring to the stage. Second is after the burial. And then the headliner of all headliners for Gent. And they kind of cover several categories. But it's Mashuga. Well, I've not yeah. seen it. So you you got to see you get to hear a little new school, you know some guys that are obviously influenced by Meshuggah and their sound, and then especially with uh, um, after the burial, like that's that's who I hear when I listen to them. Like I, you guys obviously love Meshuggah. Uh, you're not as heavy in a lot of ways. Oh, well, maybe sometimes, but you know maybe not as consistently heavy as Meshuggah is. And my favorite thing about Meshuggah is my dad knows who they are. Good for him. He's like, is that? He goes, what's that? Icelandic death metal band. I'm like, it's Meshuggah. He goes, yeah, Meshuggah. Those guys are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, you wouldn't stick around and listen to the whole album, but he would like listen to a little bit of it and go, wow, that's pretty heavy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll always remember um, my dad asking my brother for his cassettes of Metallica so that he could re- dub them onto a different cassette so my dad has his own copy of Metallica. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that was just his way of connecting with us or if he legitimately like loved them that much, but either way he did it. Also, my dad loves yeah. the Sailor Brothers, so there's that. Yeah. yeah. My dad was a big Rush fan from me. He loved Rush. 
Russians. But yeah, cool. Great picks. Well, no. only the ones eaten by tiger sharks. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's right. Uh, let's go to Mike on this one. Oh, Jesus. I'm trying to come up with something. What are we doing here? Heavy? Just heavy? No, what? what? Something that falls under the metal category. If you need a minute, I can probably bounce back to Dave, and he'd probably be ready to go. Uh, yeah, give me yeah, Dave. You okay. go, buddy. Go right. ahead, Dave. I'm gonna do a death metal one. Okay. Sure. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna throw Cannibal Corpse in. Okay. Are they opening? Well, I'm actually going to no. I'm doing a headliner first. Okay, sorry. okay, okay. That's fine. <laughs> I was like, "Damn, where are we going with I, this? This is going to be." I ha- no, boy, I don't. I don't. I'm not that that far. But um, they, they got to open or they got to they got a headline. That's yeah. it all. Everything and end all be all is for death metal is Cannibal Corpse for my book. Um, my second one is going to be. I'm going to do Nile. I don't know if we ever talked about Nile on here. I think but, we did. Did we? I, I think they got mentioned for sure. Okay, I just I I I, I they're they're I've seen that I saw them years ago and they're just they're just phenomenal. Yeah, they're just they're they're phenomenal, and I I want to throw them on there. I I remember seeing that drummer and just he was just dripping with sweat afterwards for after the show. It was at the it was at the Penny Arcade, which oh, yeah. I don't even know. Does that even exist anymore? No. <laughs> yeah, that. I, yeah, they just they just blew everything out of the water that night, and then um, uh, I was trying to decide on a third one, and I know they're. I I'll go with Behemoth as my third. They, okay. I mean, it's kind of black. Like this, I didn't want to necessarily put them in there because some people because they're black metal. But I think they they sound they have enough of that death metal sound that they can throw in there, and they're just I, they're probably I don't know maybe the probably I I don't want to say they're mainstream at all. There's no I don't think there's any any type of death metal that's mainstream, but they I would say they're maybe the maybe one of the biggest like current act like currently active death metal bands in the world. So I think you know I saw them twice and. I remember the first time it was they were opening for uh, Lamb of God, and I was just like I like, lost my mind watching them. And then, and then I saw them a second time at Club Infinity with the job for the Cowboy actually headlined over them for some reason. But uh, I, I was kind of pissed off about that. They're pretty big. Job for I, they're pretty big. Yeah, I thought they kind of sucked. And like the. <laughs> The lead singer kept doing like a snot rocket, like in between every songs. That's gross. And yeah. it was weird, weird because not a, like the because people... of cocaine. Yeah, cocaine job for a cowboy. Does he know that's supposed to go up, not out? I'm not an expert. Just saying. <laughs> well, Mike, Mike does snot rockets during the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when you said, um, what was the second band you said? Nile. <laughs> no, not them. Where Behemoth? You saw Penny Arcade? No, Nile. I did. Oh, you saw not? Okay, so you did. I yeah. saw after the burial at 
Penny Arcade. They opened up for Parkway Drive. Okay. Yeah. They were how long ago? How long, how long ago? How long ago? They were yeah. turning off their first album, so like 2006. Okay. It was there like 2004. Okay. So we're pretty much in the same. Yeah, they they were touring off of. They had an EP out called Forge Yourself, and they were touring on their full length album. And I went up to the I went up to the drummer after their set, and I had to talk shop with him because he sat like, uh, like straight up, like he wasn't like down like you normally see like a metal drummer. He's like all over top of his toms, right? No, he mm-hmm. he sat up like a jazz drummer. But his, he was like he's like six foot four, and he's super skinny, and so his arms like he had this crazy wingspan, and so the way he set up his kit was very flat toms, no, not a lot of angle to them, and mm-hmm. then cymbals were like way up in the air because they weren't way up to him because he's so freaking long. And I was like, why do you set up your kit like that? And he goes, well, I tried playing it like I've seen other people do it. And he goes, but then I just end up. Like being six foot four, he's now hunched over and he goes, My back would be killing me after playing the 30 minutes because he'd be like hunched over the whole time. Right. They're from Minneapolis. I don't know any other bands besides Prince from like Minneapolis. Well, there's a there's a band from um St. Louis. Uh that's the Twin City, right? What is the Twin Cities? Minneapolis and St. Paul. Yeah, there's a band from there called uh, Driveway Park. <laughs> Didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. Huh. I apologize. Mike, did was, you have enough time to reach, uh, put together a list? Yeah. Okay. Mine's just going to be kind of just, just heavy, just metal. Um, Like in my eyes, just like regular metal, little mix. Uh, we go Machine Head as an opener, and then uh, co-headlining Mastodon and Gojira. Oh shit! Okay, that, that was a tour. I saw that. Was it really with Machine Mas- Head? No, uh, not Machine Head, but Gojira and Mastodon tour. Oh, that, uh, yeah, that I can they see. They tour a lot together. I saw they played at Tom Ballroom years ago. I feel like that should just be a thing all the time. All the time, uh, earthy metal. There you go. They they, they uh, Mastodon tours of Gajira a lot. That's that's yeah. That, that's a pretty. I forgot who the opener was that night. Too. Like they had another. There was a third band that night. Uh, I don't know, but but yeah, they 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 probably like, was Machine Head. <laughs> no, it, it was a Machine. I would have remembered that. I, I Machine Head and Mastodon did play at Rockstar Mayhem mm-hmm. at Darien Lake though. Did I miss Machine Head because I wanted to see Mastodon? Because Machine Head was uh, like the second stage headliner, and I'm like, oh, I can't miss Mastodon for them, unfortunately. But I kind of like hear them in between songs from where I was. I mean, Gojira is about as mainstream as you get now with you know metal bands. Like, if you're a metalhead and you don't know who Gojira is, I, I don't, I don't believe that you listen to metal. I mean, yep. Totally. <laughs> totally. 100%. Uh, good stuff, dude. Yeah, I would, I would check that out in a heartbeat, especially because you're starting off with fucking Lemmy. Is he uh, is he sober or is he uh, hammered for this? I think, I think he's sober these days. I, I do know he's sober now, but 
Maybe Peak Lemmy would have been better. Um, wait, is Lemmy dead? Yeah. <laughs> I have those moments. I'm like, wait, who died? <laughs> Dude, he's been dead for a while. You're thinking yeah. the other Lemmy? Yeah. No, From I'm Motorhead? thinking of Lemmy. I'm thinking of the one that's dead. A uh, freaking Mike got me. <laughs> <laughs> he's as sober he was... as a bird, baby. <laughs> Super sober. But he he was a big drinker. Um, he lasted a long time. He made it into the seventies. Uh, Doug, your heaviest lineup you can uh, put together here. All right. Well, I'm going to steal your headliner, Mashuga. I've never seen him. They are one of my all-time favorite bands. I just I love that band so much. I need to see them one time or another. Enough said. Um. Another band, I think I'm going to start going back to. All right, my one definite choice I have is um, a band from Montreal called Cryptopsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were just unbelievable. And I would say Crypt- Cryptopsy changed singers quite often. But if you guys happen to just, you know, whatever write this down or keep it in your head. There's a album called And Then You'll Beg. It is unbelievable. And even at the record before that called uh, Whisper Supremacy is so good. Their drummer, his name is Flo Monnier, is one of the most incredible drummers I have ever I, I just can't even say enough about this guy. He's insanely good insanely good and then hmm, I don't know I feel like I want to keep going back a little bit further but this is where it gets touch and go because there was a band and I believe the singer was killed in the um, tsunami that was what was that Taiwan or something years ago Mm -hmm. Uh, Indonesia, Um, Indonesia, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was there on vacation, and he, you know, obviously died in in the tsunami. There's a band called Nausum, and they have an album called 2.0, and this record is just so unbelievable to me. It's just, it's just one of these records that always sticks out. I always keep coming back to them. Just like whenever like I'm hanging out and we're talking about old bands, I'm like, oh, dude, remember that 2.0 record from Nausum? You know, they were, oh, my God, it was so good. Them. And I, I, I'll pick them, but I'll have to say, you know, a couple of, you know, like honorable mentions would be like Cephala Carnage is really cool from way back in the day. And um uh oh my gosh. <laughs> oh what the heck was that band's name? Anyways, I, I I completely forgot about the other band that I wanted to mention. But anyways, though I, I would have to say that would be like you know, the bands that I would love to see as far as like metal gold, you know. And I guess that goes into our first category, bands that aren't around anymore that, you know. Little bit. Oh, yeah. Origin. Origin. There's a band called Origin. And 
if I have to say, if you ever look up Origin and the song Portal, P-O-R-T-A-L, I mean, <laughs> it's mind-blowing. That song okay. is mind-blowing. So there's my pick. Dude, I love it. You said, yeah, you said Cryptopsy. Cryptopsy. And I recognized yeah. that band right away. Um, and they call themselves technical death metal, which I love because they came out in 88 when that's when they were found. That's when they started up. And I could imagine when you're, you know, starting up and you're listening to all these other thrash metal bands and some leftover hair metal bands and stuff like that. And you kind of are leaning on a little more, I don't know. I guess the lack of a better word that they already use is more technical. Like I could mm-hmm. totally see how that's what you said a lot. And then the yeah. rest of us come along down the line of saying, no, you're prog metal or no, you're death or you're a uh, math metal or oh, Jesus. Like, or I like to say, right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a certain appreciation that I get for death metal bands uh, that choose to write songs with that kind of, technical you know real thought out kind of writing not always just straight in your face we all wrote songs like that we all listen to songs like that it takes a certain kind of artist to uh bring in emotion bring in at times even the mathematical like equations of how you want to chop up your song not how you want to you know loop it around you know what i mean that's my favorite thing of when i listen to uh, a sugar song is the way they they'll uh, use one riff one way, and then here you are five minutes down the road, and then uh, well it's coming back around again. Yeah, you didn't think we'd use it again, but oh, here it comes back around again. Right. Yeah. So. And I always I always listen to bands like that, and I go, I can't even imagine how long their band practices must be. Exactly. <laughs> You know, it's just, it's just got to be like epic, you know, hours and hours and hours. <laughs> when they are, um, where the, when a band is writing nowadays, they have their own home studio at Imagine because it's a lot more affordable and they can like record clips and send them in an email or whatever, or send them even yeah. in the text or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then that's how you're hearing of your band member's newest riff. And he's like, no, this is how I see you know the chorus going, and I, I think we should have like three distinct verses. But then at the same time, you know, I, I would like to have these distinct bridges or something like that. Like way different now, how you can write a song because you can each write your own song and send them digitally to each other. There's a lot of ways we can uh, learn about some bands' practices and how they like to write songs nowadays but uh yeah. i am running out of disc space yeah disc oh, okay space. so we better wrap this up um we, we went longer than i even thought we would i wasn't sure how the relaxed sure. fit would go um give you at least a good hour and 20 ish minutes we'll see how i chopped this up after starting and stopping three different recordings but whatever uh we made it work i'm really appreciative of my friends for joining me today uh Michael Lardo, Douglas Smith, and the one and only David Jarka. We are your Auditune podcast for this episode. We'll be back next month 
Who knows who will join us then? Who knows what we'll talk about then? But uh, we will be back 